So we are starting a new sermon series uh, today. Uh, it's basically our Lenten series. Uh, if you are not familiar with that term, Lent is the season that leads up to Easter, uh, and it's a season of preparation. Uh, you may not be aware of this, but in the early church, they would spend all year long getting ready for Easter. You're only baptized, in fact, on Easter. And so you would spend all year long trying to get your heart, get yourself ready in order to be able to truly, fully uh, appreciate and celebrate Easter. And it just kind of challenges us to stop and think about, you know, we, we talk a lot of times in the church tradition, contemporary. Think about tradition in the sense of this discipline of preparing yourself for Easter. We, we love to jump to Easter uh, but I encourage you over the next six weeks to really stop and challenge yourself to, to think about um, what Easter means for you, uh, how you celebrate Easter, how can you grow in your relationship with God as we lead up to Easter. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, open up to the book of Mark. We're going to get to first chapter of Mark. Uh, we're going to spend all Lent in the gospel of Mark. Um, in the past, I had told you, I really liked Lent as a season to kind of really stop and think about one of the Gospels. So we have looked at John, we have looked at Luke, and so this year we're going to be looking at, at Mark and what, is, what does Mark teach us uh, about Jesus Christ in, in ways of helping us think about um, the good news of Christ. And so uh, we're going to, to spend our time for the next few weeks uh, in the Gospel of Mark. So let's first just look at uh, the first couple of verses of chapter 1. It says this, The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending a messenger before you. He will prepare your way. A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. And then if you jump down to verse 14, it says this. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. This is the word of God for the people of God. So we see in these passages um, this good news of Jesus. That's how Mark starts his gospel. And so I kind of want to do something today. I just want, I want to get you to kind of think about what you know of or think of when you hear the phrase good news. Michael said it a couple of times as he was talking today and, uh, uh, of we have good news. And so what, what does good news mean? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor. And if you are by yourself, I'm going to get, invite some of you who uh, can find somebody. You see somebody who's by themselves, go over to them. I just want you to spend a minute or two, share with your neighbor what is the good news of Jesus Christ. So one of you share, and then the other one can either go, well, I, hey, you know what? I think it's this. Or, yeah, I totally agree with you that that's what the good news is. So I want you to share with your neighbor what's the good news of Jesus Christ. Make sure, again, look, if you see somebody by themselves, I need y'all moving. Um, so share with somebody what the good news is. I'm...
All right, y'all are doing pretty good. Okay, so I, I, when I was in seminary, I had a, a preaching class. Y'all be glad to know that. I had preaching class. Um, and, but we would have these colloquies. We had a lot of teaching parish, I mean, teaching groups and preaching groups. Uh, and so we would go into a room, so you can kind of imagine as a new person uh, coming into ministry, you would go into a group of about 15 people and the teaching parish supervisor would say, okay, I want everybody to get ready because you're going to preach for two minutes on this. Go. Uh, and so you would have to stand up and you'd have to find a scripture and you had to preach it or whatever. And so one time we were in a group and we were walked into the room and he said, okay, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want for two minutes, you've got to preach on what's the good news. Uh, and so we would stand up and we would preach and then we would listen to two other people do it and then two other people do it. And so through the time we would all, and I don't remember really what any of us preached and they probably, if they were here today, they would say they didn't remember what I preached. Uh, but what I do remember was that most all of us equated the good news with Jesus died on the cross for me. Somewhere that was probably. Now, how many of you would say that's kind of, in essence, I mean, some variation of that. That's kind of what we discussed when we said that was what the good news of Jesus is. Okay, so majority of us, that would be what we would say. Um, and, and obviously that is, that is good news. But, but I also want to challenge us to stop and think that may, maybe that limits the good news. Um, that... I believe that the good news is a little larger in scope than just that. And so when we look at Mark's gospel, Mark begins his gospel with this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, so what's the context of Mark's gospel? So Mark is writing, um, most people believe that Mark wrote in the city of Rome. Uh, he was a follower of Peter, and so uh, Peter would have probably been around Rome. And so um, Mark wrote at a time um, where some really big things were going on in the church. One, Nero had uh, basically, from scholars, that he had burned Rome. Huge, massive fire that he had gotten someone to do. And he did that, interestingly enough. He burned Rome, so people suspect, so that he could build it back. He could create taxes, uh, and he could charge taxes of the people, and he could put people to work, and he had this big building campaign. The problem with that was he had to blame somebody. So who did he blame? He blamed this group of people who were these followers of Jesus. They called them atheists because they were people who didn't believe in the pagan gods. And so he blamed this group of people and they began to kill them. Some people would say they wrote about that he actually brought people in who were followers of Jesus and killed them at parties just for fun. Uh, he would burn them as part of the entertainment of the parties. So they, they, they blamed the followers of Jesus. And so then that led to the death of Peter and Paul. And so after Jesus' death, probably the most significant time of persecution for the early church came when Peter and Paul were both killed because they were like 
the rock of the church, right? And so the church was devastated when Peter and Paul were both killed as well. And so you can kind of get a feel for what the church would have been experiencing in the way of just kind of feeling defeated in the moment. And this is when Mark turns around and says, this is the beginning of the good news. His very first sentence. The word that we get, good news and gospel, they kind of interchange. The, the words were not written as the gospel of Mark or the gospel of Luke. That was came in later. They attributed that later. But the word from Greek, you can translate it to good news or to gospel. So the good news is the gospel. The gospel is good news. And so Mark is saying that that which began in Jesus, the good news that began in Jesus is going on now. It's, it's still happening. So the people who were defeated, the people who were, who were upset, he's saying, hey, there's still good news. It's still unfolding today. And so I believe that this idea of good news is only being the fact that Jesus died on the cross. I think it, it misses what Mark is saying, and I think what Luke says, and what, and, and what John says, and what Matthew says, it misses the discipleship of Jesus. What we do is we reduce Christianity down to basically just, Jesus is my ticket to heaven. And here's what I would tell you. If we reduce Christianity to Jesus just being simply a ticket to heaven, those who are outside the church see us as irrelevant. We become less relevant when that's all that we say the good news is. And unfortunately, over the last couple of centuries, Christianity has kind of made it heaven or hell. That this emphasis is we've either got to, we've got to do this in order to save ourselves from hell. And we kind of have reduced what Christianity is all about. And so what we do is we take everything negative and we attribute it to hell. And then every positive metaphor that we possibly can do, we put on to the image of heaven. And what we do is we reduce what the good news really is. For too many Christians, we believe that the good news is only just a measure of getting ourselves into heaven or out of hell. So Mark, he says to us, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus. And then you come to the second verse that I read, which has happened after Jesus has been baptized. Mark is a fast gospel. So when you read it, it happens quick. Jesus is baptized. Heavens are tore open. God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He goes into the wilderness and he's tempted. And then we get these words in verses 14 through 15. It says, after John, meaning John the Baptist, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. So Jesus started his ministry by preaching the good news of Christ. The good news of of God's kingdom was at hand. He says, repent Turn your life around and believe in the good news that comes with my kingdom. For those of you who came Ash Wednesday, you came forward, you had ashes put on your head. We said ashes to ashes. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
We could have said, repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in all of the good that comes in the kingdom of God that is at hand. And so the good news from the very beginning has to do with the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. He's preaching about this. And so through the gospel of Mark, as you read it, and I'm going to encourage you through Lent to read the gospel of Mark. As you read it, he preaches about the kingdom of God. And so he says the good news is that the kingdom is at hand. So go live in it. Go live in the kingdom of God. And so then he begins to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. And you'll see that throughout the gospel. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. And he teaches us about God's nature. He teaches us about God's will. He teaches us about God's heart. He teaches us about God's character. The good news, if you believe it, is that you can live your life in this kingdom, meaning the kingdom of God. You can live your life by kingdom values. You can live your life by the insights that are given to us when, we, when the ladies ensemble sang that, order my, order, order my steps through your word, we can live in the kingdom of God through the insights that God's word gives us. That we can live in this kingdom of God that, that God offers to us. A place where you're able to have full life and meaning and purpose. A place where God is at the center of your life and a place where God's love and grace is revealed. Let me suggest to you today a definition for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what the world would look like if God was on the throne of everything. Now, obviously, the person who's on the throne during Jesus' day was the emperor. And he ruled by power. He ruled by might. He ruled by force. He ruled by violence. This is how he controlled and how he ruled. I mean, you were either a friend of the enemy or you were an enemy. I mean, you were a friend of the king or you were, uh, you were an enemy, right? You either were loyal or you were not loyal. In this, you had people who had high status. You had people who had low status. Jesus offers a different vision. What Jesus says is, I'm not going to rule that way. I'm going to rule with love. And when love rules, justice prevails. And everybody, we're equal. When love rules, grace triumphs. The lowly are lifted up and the proud are humbled. When love rules, peace prevails. And the sword is put down. That's what Jesus says is going to be the rule of his kingdom. And so he says that the kingdom of God is at hand. See, the good news isn't just simply to show us a way that individual souls are saved from hell and given the promise of heaven. It's part of it. I just don't think it's all of it. I think it's a much larger picture. Because the good news is that God's will can be done on earth. As it is in heaven. That's what we pray for, right? I mean, we, we actually believe that as people of God. That God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the good news kind of encourages us. And that's what I would say is to think about over the next six weeks. It encourages us to rethink a life of discipleship.
where we are actually living and allowing God to order our steps, allowing God to redirect us, allowing God to challenge us. For the kingdom of God has come now. It's not some distant reality that we have to wait for someday. It's within reach right here today in Stockbridge. It's for now. The good news was for everybody, but it was especially for those who are downtrodden, especially those who are poor and outcast. Remember, that's who Jesus hung out with, right? He spent his time with prostitutes and sinners, tax collectors. He lifted up the religiously unclean versus the religiously clean. He said that he came to reach the least and the lost, that the servant is the greatest in his kingdom. See, the reality is most of us, we can kind of almost embrace that we want the lowly lifted up someday. We want the hungry to be fed someday. We want the oppressed to be set free someday. We want the sick healed someday. That we should stop having war someday. For Jesus, the dream of Isaiah, the prophet that we read at the very beginning, starts now when the oppressed are set free and the lowly are lifted up. People need good news today, not someday. People need the gospel today. And Jesus preaches that the good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. One author wrote this, said, the time has come today to cancel debts, to forgive, to treat enemies as neighbors, to share your bread with the hungry and your clothes with the naked, to invite the outcast over for dinner, to confront oppressors not with sharp knives, but with unarmed kindness. If the, king, if the kingdom of God is at hand, if that's true, if we believe Jesus to be true, if the kingdom of God is at hand, we must adjust our life to join him in the mission of sharing the good news. If the kingdom of God is at hand, we must adjust our life in order to join God in what he's doing in his kingdom. To the oppressed, to the hungry, to the naked, folks, this is good news. To those who are unforgiven, to those who need mercy, to those who, who are struggling, this is good news. To the enemies of the empire, this is good news. But to the elite, to the people in power, to the people of privilege, good news can start out as bad news because it disrupts us. It forces us to stop and say, am I going to change? Am I going to do anything different? 
Am I going to live into God's kingdom? And am I going to let him actually order my steps? you got to remember, Jesus was always disrupting those who were in power and privilege. The good news was disturbing at first, but what it brought them to was a place where they could repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus is preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, so live in it. And so then he turns to his disciples and he says, I'm going to send you out. It's what I would call Noah style. If you read the gospel, he's sending them out two by two. He goes, go out and, and, and share the gospel. Go out and help people to understand that the good news is here. The good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. So I say to you, for all of us who kind of think about the good news as just being Jesus died on the cross, the good news was the good news before the crucifixion. The good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Most people locate the good news at the cross. And don't get me wrong, I'm so thankful for that part of the good news. But there's more to the good news. Jesus is saying, go and preach. Go and tell people about the gospel. I would say to just like he says that to the disciples, he is saying that to every single one of you who believe in Jesus Christ. He says, when you leave this door, you are to go and share the good news. You're to go and share the gospel of Jesus with the world around you. Because it's more than just about an individual soul being saved for heaven. It's about sharing the good news. And the reality is, as people study early Christianity... What they found when they, they look at it is they found that it grew fastest among people who were oppressed. It grew fastest among those who were struggling because they grasped that it was good news. And I would say to you, if you study Christianity today, I won't make Isaac come up here, but if you study, we've talked about this in our men's Bible study. If you study Christianity today, you see it growing so incredibly fast in the continent of Africa because it's good news. The good news to me sometimes as a person who has power and privilege and position, it sometimes is disrupting news. Do you see it? As good news. The beginning of good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. I'll tell you, y'all know a couple weeks ago I shared with you that my grandmother has been placed in hospice. I'm gonna give y'all another grandmother story. Um, Thursday nights I go up and I take care of my grandmother. And so Thursday night I was there and she was sleeping, and about 12:30 she woke up. And she said, who's here? Because she can't see very much. So she said, who's here? And I said, it's Andy. She says, oh, Andy. She says, I want to talk to you about God. So I'm like, okay. So 1230 in the night, we're sitting there. I'm out of her bed. And I'm like, what do you want to talk about God? She goes, no, I just want you to talk about God. So I'm like, okay. I'm on the spot here, grandmama. Uh, so I started talking to her about, about God. And, and, and she said, you know, I'm not. She, as, as she, she interrupted me because she really did want to talk. Uh, and so she said, uh, you know, I'm not very educated. She goes, but, but Jesus is my best friend. And I said, well, grandmama, there's a lot of people who are more educated that 
that hadn't gotten there yet. So that's a pretty good place to be. And uh, so we were talking about, and I said, what do you, you know, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And she said, I can't wait to get to have a cold glass of water with Jesus. That's a great image, but it's even more powerful when you come to realize she's thirsty physically. She doesn't get much. They don't give her IVs. So she, you know, the scriptures talk about when you go and you give somebody a cold cup of water, that you're doing that for Jesus, right? And so I could sit there and think about the fact that here, the good news for my grandmother in that moment is I'm thirsty and Jesus is going to give me something to drink. When you go out into this world and you encounter somebody who is hungry and you share food, you're taking good news, right? When you find somebody who is in prison and you go and visit them, the scripture says that is good news. That's the, the kingdom of God is at hand. When you find somebody in need and you reach out, when somebody is sick and you go and you pray over them or you go and visit them or you go take them a meal, you are sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You may never get to the point that you start talking to them necessarily about heaven or hell, but my grandmother in that moment was just a cold cup of water with Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is at hand. The quote that many of you have heard and it's preached before and it'll be preached after, long after I leave. St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the good news. Use words if you have to. Preach the good news. The time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. Will we allow God to order our steps? Will we follow Jesus? Will we work to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? We do believe that, right? May it, may it be so through us that God's kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we thank you for your good news. We thank you, Lord, for the good news of salvation. We thank you, God, that you are a God who has provided a way for us to be restored back into a relationship with you. But God, I pray for every single one of us here. Help us to see the bigger picture of your good news. That your kingdom is at hand. Your kingdom is here now and in the future. Lord, help us to see that we have the ability to, just like the disciples, go and share your good news with people. Help us to, to be thinking this Lenten season. Where can I give somebody a cold cup of water? How can I give somebody a, a piece of bread, a little bit of hope, a light in the midst of darkness? How can I do 
something for someone that brings them good news. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.